Praise the Lord. Title this morning, Visitation is for the Believing. For people of faith, of active faith. Love the presence of the Lord this morning, the prophetic spirit in the house of the Lord. We're going to turn to a passage of Scripture today in 2 Kings chapter 6 and chapter 7. It's a fascinating story, one of the great miracle stories in the Bible. It's not preached on that often because at first reading, surface reading, it doesn't look like there might be that much to preach. Now, I haven't preached for a month, so I pray things go well for me and for you this morning. Visitation is for the believing, 2 Kings 7.1. We'll see in a few moments as we go back to chapter 6 that there was a great famine in the city of Samaria, grievous famine. But Elisha said in 2 Kings 7.1, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, it's going to be a buyer's market. Tomorrow about this time, a measure or a sea of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel. And two seas of barley, a sea was about eight gallons. Eight gallons of fine flour sold for a shekel and two measures or seas of barley grain for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned, an officer on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God and said, look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. What a spirit. What an insult against the prophetic word. What, in, what insolence against that man of God, Elisha, and an affront to God himself. Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Tomorrow's going to be a day of abundance in God. You're going to be able to buy a measure of fine flour for a shekel. Now, just as we'll see in a moment, up to this point in the siege, prices on the black market were exorbitant. That if you wanted some food and there was nothing seemed, it seemed left in the city, but you could buy a donkey's head, it would cost you 80 shekels. A most disgusting meal. A donkey's head for 80 shekels. And a pint, a pint of dove's droppings as fuel for fire for five shekels. That's what the prices were because of the famine. And now Elisha says, hear the word of the Lord. It looks like famine time, but hear the word of the Lord. Tomorrow there's going to be abundance. Tomorrow there's going to be bread. There's going to be supply for everything. Visitation is for the believing. But one man was skeptical. One man was cynical. One man was offended in spirit at the Lord and at circumstances of life. He said, is scorn in scorn. If the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And Elisha said, you've judged your own life. You will see it, but you will not eat thereof. Now let's go to 2 Kings chapter 6 and pick up the story. And it happened after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his army and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and indeed they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and one-fourth of a cab of dove droppings for five shekels of silver. Then as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him saying, Help my lord, O king. And he said, if the Lord does not help you, where can I find help for you? From the threshing floor or from the winepress? 
Then the king said to her, what is troubling you? And she answered, this woman said to me, give your son that we may eat him today and we will eat my son tomorrow. Obviously a son that had died, a corpse. So he boiled my son and ate him. And I said to her on the next day, give your son that we may eat him. But she has hidden her son. She took the corpse and said, I'm not sharing any food. Now it happened when the king heard the words of the woman that he tore his clothes and as he passed by on the wall, the people looked and there underneath he had sackcloth of intercession on his body. He had sackcloth on his body. Then he said, God do so to me and more also if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on him today. This king in a backhanded way, was now going against the prophet of the Lord, even though the prophet of the Lord had brought him deliverance many times. But now he blamed Elisha for the situation, the grievous and dire famine that was on the city. Verse 32. But Elisha was sitting in his house, and the elders were sitting with him, and the king sent a man ahead of him. But before the messenger came to him, Elisha said to the elders, Do you see how this son of a murderer has sent someone to take away my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold him fast at the door. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? And while he was still talking with them, there was the messenger coming down to him. And then the king said, Surely this calamity, then the king said, Surely this calamity is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer. Then Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow about this time, a measure of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you won't participate in the miracle. You will not eat of it. This king of Israel, King Jehoram, he was not a godly king, but he was very well acquainted with Jehovah. He turned his back on Jehovah, the God of Israel, and served his own gods and went his own way. But he was well acquainted with the ways of God, the God of Israel, because the prophets of God were in the land, the preachers of God were in the land. And he had been the recipient of some marvelous miracles at the hands of Elisha. The ditch diggers revival in chapter 3 of 2 Kings where this King Jehoram asked King Jehoshaphat of Judah and the king of Edom to come with him and fight against the Moabites who had rebelled and weren't paying their tribute money at that time. And as they went, the Bible says, they went into the wilderness and they made a circle in the wilderness and they ran out of water. And all their hosts and the army, and the animals that were there as the food supply for the army. Everybody was at a standstill, and they were at the brink of death. And they began to cry out to the Lord, and they said, Bring us Elisha. And Elisha came, and the minstrels began to play. The worship came on, the worship atmosphere came on Elisha, and he prophesied the word of the Lord. And he said, Make this valley full of ditches. You go out and dig as many ditches as you can, and according to your faith, so the supply will be. And they went out and dug ditches, and in the morning, miracle water came into the land, and they were supplied, and they defeated the army of the Moabites. This king knew about the God of Israel because Elisha was warning the king 
Jehoram, the king of Israel, about the attack of the Syrians for a long time now. The Bible says he warned him just not once or twice, but many times the king of Syria said, I'm going to make an ambush against Israel in this place or that place. But Elisha knew it in his bedchamber because the Spirit of the Lord told him, and he sent message to the king, and the king escaped out of the hand of the Syrians many times, so much that the king of Syria said, who's the traitor in our midst? Who's giving our military secrets out to the king of Israel? And somebody said, it's, it's not one of us, king. It's Elisha the prophet. Spirit of the Lord tells him what's going on in our council meetings. And the king said, let's go. And king of Syria said, let's go and take out Elisha. Let's put him to death. And they said, where is he? They said, well, he's in a city, a town called Dothan. And so the army of Syria it says, compass the whole city, that whole town. The whole army fully surrounded the town. And Elisha's servant, when they woke up in the morning and saw the soldiers and the horsemen and the chariots all around the, the city, Elisha's servant cried out and said, My Lord, look at the army that surrounded us. And Elisha said, Lord, open his eyes. And the servant's eyes were opened, and he saw the, the mountains around Elisha full of the fire of God and the horsemen and chariots of the heavenly host that were protecting Elisha. Well, you know that Syrian army that day stormed that city, and as they came in, Elisha said, Lord, strike them with blindness. And in a moment, every eye of that army was blinded and they could not see and find their way. And they said, who are you looking for? They said, we're looking for Elisha. He said, he's not here, but I'll show you where he is. And Elisha led that whole army, those blinded men. Maybe they were holding a rope to find their way with one another. He led them 10 miles south from Dothan into the very city of Samaria. And the king of Samaria, King Jehoram, looked and here was this army that was fighting him, trying to destroy him. And here they were, absolutely merciless before him. He said, Elisha, should I kill them? He said, no. Elisha said, no. Put on bread and water, feed them. Let's take the blindness off them, Lord, and let them go back to their own place. And that army that day and the whole city of Samaria and the whole nation of Israel knew that the Lord was God. And that Syrian army, that Syrian army went back north to their own place. But some kind, sometimes kindness isn't returned, is it? And it wasn't long till that same Syrian army came back and besieged Samaria until the situation was as grievous as we read about, that people were eating their own the dead bodies of people that had died in the city. Sometimes kindness isn't returned. The king was a little upset. He'd had these, this army in his hands. He could have put them all to death. And all of a sudden, in a backhanded way, he said, where's Elisha, the son of Shaphat? This is really his trouble. If I would have, this is his fault. If I would have taken that army out when they were in my hands, we wouldn't be in this situation today. Now the interesting is, thing is that the king was wearing the sackcloth of supplication and intercession because he humbled himself at first. When that siege began to take place, he knew the power of God. He thought, maybe we can get another miracle. I'm not serving God, but I know Elisha is, and maybe we can get another miracle. And he humbled himself. He put on the sackcloth on his body. 
But time went on. Time went on, and there was delay, and there was no change in the circumstance. It even seemed to get more severe. There are some like the king of Israel when there's delay on the promises of God and God doesn't come through like they think he should and God doesn't fulfill his word in the timing that man thinks it should. They all of a sudden accuse God of wrongdoing. And that's what this king did. He betrayed the sackcloth of intercession that he had upon his own body and his own life. And the truth is inside of every one of us is an accuser. Inside every one of us, in our carnal nature, in our unrefined nature, our human nature, not our spiritual nature, in our human flesh, inside of every one of us, there is a voice of accusation, a tendency to accuse God. And Satan edges that corruption in us. And sometimes man flies in the face of God. 2 Kings 7 and verse 3. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. They said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall only die. And they rose at twilight in the descending darkness of the evening to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried away some from there also and went and hid it. Then they said to one another, we are not doing right. This day is a day of good news and we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment, King James says some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come and let us go and tell the king's household. And so they came to the city walls and cried out to the king. Chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore the king dispatched says they took two chariots with horses and the king sent them in the direction of the Syrian army saying, go and see. And they went after them to the Jordan and indeed all the road, 20 miles on Victory Road, the road all the way to the Jordan from Samaria was full of garments and weapons which the Syrians had thrown away in their haste. So the messengers returned and told the king. Then the people went out and plundered the tents of the Syrians. So a Sia, a fine flour was sold for a shekel and two seahs of barley for a shekel according to the word of the Lord. Verse 17. 
Now the king had appointed the officer on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate. But the people trampled him in the gate, and he died. Just as the man of God had said, who spoke when the king came down to him. So it happened just as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, Two seas of barley for a shekel and a sea of fine flour for a shekel shall be sold tomorrow about this time in the gate of Samaria. Then that officer had answered the man of God and said, Now look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could such a thing be? And he had said, In fact, you will see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. And so it happened to him, for the people trampled him in the gate, and he died. Visitation is for the believing. Visitation is for the believing. I have three points this morning. Number one, resist pessimism and unbelief like you would any other temptation. Resist pessimism, melancholy, sullenness. Resist unbelief like you would any other temptation. There are two main avenues that Satan moves down in his attack against our life, thoughts and feelings. Now most of us are fairly capable in the area of thoughts, those fire-tipped arrows that fly through the air. We've learned how to Guard against thoughts. Put up the shield of faith. Say, it is written. It is written. We quote the word of God. But we must be equally on guard against feelings, against our emotions, because the enemy wants to attack us there as well and pierce through and get into our lives. This moroseness, sullenness, despair, negativity, depression, discouragement, heaviness that comes upon us. The Bible identifies this as the spirit of heaviness in Isaiah 61.3. And Satan is always trying to pull a blanket of discouragement, a blanket of heaviness over our lives. Every week, I say at least once, Satan tries to pull a blanket of heaviness over my life. And you can, you can see it. You can see the day in the week when something happens, some word is spoken, some circumstance, some situation, and all of a sudden there's that, that spirit of heaviness. And we must learn how to deal with those feelings just like we do thoughts. We have to tear that spirit of heaviness, that blanket of heaviness away. We have to rip that shroud to pieces. And the Bible says God gives the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. We begin to praise the Lord. We begin to confess the promise of God. We have that feeling of negativity, that feeling of cynicism, sometimes scorn and disappointment, depression and heaviness. We begin to come against it by praising the Lord, by dancing before the Lord, by rejoicing, by confessing the promises of God. By confessing the promises of God, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So we don't want anyone in this family to be trampled underfoot because of unbelief. Because of unbelief. What happened to this officer of the king? What happened to this Lord who was next to the king? It can happen to leaders. It can happen to people. There was something that got into that man's spirit. 
some offense, some injustice, some disappointment against God, some disappointment against the circumstance they were facing, and all of a sudden, unbelief and negativity took so hold of his heart that when the word of the Lord came and the prophetic future was declared, he didn't even have a joy or a spirit to entertain it or receive it. He said, if God would even open the windows of heaven, might this thing be? Sometimes, sometimes, and we all have to be careful. We can all be trampled underfoot while other people are rushing out to receive the word of the Lord and fulfill the future and to gain the increase and the promises and the blessing of God. We can be trampled underfoot by our own unbelief. And the life goes out of us. The life goes out of us. And while other people are rejoicing, their, their praise, their ecstasy even becomes a judgment against our own lives. Resist. Resist pessimism. Resist unbelief like you would any other temptation. Number two, catch the spirit of the four leprous men. Take up the spirit of the four leprous men. Second Kings 7. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live, and if they kill us, we shall only die. They rose up at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians, and when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. Four leprous men. They said to one another, let's take a risk of faith. A hope of faith. It's said in our world, fortune favors the brave. I said, why, why, do, why sit here until we die? They said, if, let's go to the camp. Let's venture out to the camp of the enemy. Let's go out to the camp of the Syrians. If we fail... We haven't lost a thing because we were failures anyway. Amen. If we die, we die. We were dying anyways. And those four leprous men began to move out from the walls of Samaria where they were huddled, move out and go out toward the enemy camp at the twilight in the descending darkness. The most improbable army ever assembled. You talk about an army of bones. Halting steps, broken lives, tattered clothes, emaciated bodies, ghastly frames, the least among men. They started to move out. Move out from where they were, from where they were sitting, from their defeat, from their circumstance, from their darkness, from their death, from their depression, from their nothingness. They said, we're going to take a step of faith. We're going to move out. We're going to believe for something better in our future, by life or by death. And the God of heaven looked down, and he said, angels, come here. Angels, come here. That's the kind of army I'm looking for. Because not many mighty and not many noble are called. God says, I'm looking for that army, that kind of people, outcasts, rejects, those that know they don't have anything in themselves, those that are willing to risk everything, those that are willing to go to the death. That's the kind of army I want. He said, angels, turn up the sound, turn up the volume, and those stumbling, halting feet 
four pairs of hobbling feet became the sound of a mighty army. Horses and chariots, the sound of war, so much so that the Syrians, in the middle of their evening festivities, dropped their weapons and headed for the Jordan River to get away from this army of God. Those lepers became the sound of a mighty army, their feet pounding the earth for the glory of God. Four leprous men, four lepers. Come on, let's face it this morning. We're all lepers. We've been sin-bitten. We're not what we should be. Shuffling frames. But if we will move with God, if we will go as a prophetic spirit, if we will go with the risk of faith, and we will venture out to go against out to the enemy camp, the Lord's power and the Lord's presence will come on us like he did on these. And they'll be part of a miracle. We'll be part of a miracle. Those four lepers, they couldn't explain what was happening and neither, neither can we. But it happens as we move and take a risk of faith and some glimpse of hope for God's future in our life that the prophetic spirit comes upon us because the prophetic spirit was already spoken in the land by Elisha. And as they went out, they became part of the miracle-working power of God. This morning, catch the spirit of the four leprous men. Take the spirit of the four leprous men and go with God. Number three, open up the storehouses of the goodness of God. Open up the storehouses. 2 Kings 7, verse 8 to 9, and when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried some from there also and went and hid it. Then conviction came on them. They said one to another, we are not doing right. This is a day of the gospel. This is a day of good news. This is a day of good tidings. And we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come, let us go and tell the king's household. Jesus said in Matthew 10, freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, freely give. Imagine these four lepers. All of a sudden, they stood in abundance. Silver and gold and garments and all the food and wine, everything they could ever need was all around them, and their temptation was the same as ours might be. Let's hoard everything we can for ourselves. They began to carry off the spoils, Hide them in some cave, in the rock, in the hills, by some tree. Make sure we have enough for the future. Let's take care of ourselves. They, 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 there was that temptation. Get self-absorbed with the goodness, the blessings, the prosperity, the gold and the silver, and all we have. But conviction came on them and said, we're not doing what's right. This isn't right. Some mischief will come on us. If we try to hoard the blessing of God, if we try to hold the blessing of God to ourselves, mischief will come upon us. We'll face difficulty. They said we have to do what is right in our hearts. They said this is the day of good tidings. This is a day of gospel messaging. This is a day of the goodness of the Lord. We must tell others. And so they came and they called out at the gates of the city. They said we're going to share the spoil. We're going to open the tents. 
And they did. And the people came out and the people ate and drank. And there was provision for everyone. And there was bread enough and to spare. And there were garments and there was gold. And there were donkeys and there were horses. Buy somebody a vehicle for the gospel. The city was blessed that day. The city was blessed that day. They said, we're going to bless the city as well. Let's put the provision of God. Let's put the gospel out. Let's put the abundance out. Let's put the food and drink out for the city. And homes were restored in that city. Can you imagine the gladness from that famine and that siege? In one night, in one night, blessed of God, joy and gladness, families restored, people singing once again, talking about the goodness of the Lord, such gratitude to the living God for the miracle. Visitation is for the believing. Visitation is for the believing. The truth is this morning that the word of the Lord has come. The famine is over for those who will receive it because the word of the Lord has come. The famine is over for those who will receive it because the word of the Lord has come. The supply, the plenty, the provision of God is available for everyone that believes, for everyone that has a spirit of faith, for everyone that takes up the spirit of those leprous men and of that city that day. Don't get trampled down in your unbelief. Now, not everybody receives us. Not everybody receives our message. There are some who won't receive you. There are some who won't receive us. They push against. They push back. They don't want to receive your ministry. Don't want to receive what you have. You know what Jesus said? You go and shake the very dust off your feet as a testimony against them. And you don't allow that to hinder your spirit. And you don't allow them to undermine your vision. You don't allow them to impinge your spirit. But you keep going. You keep praying. You keep prophesying. You keep preaching the gospel. Because God knows down the road there are many, many more that will receive you and unite in the bond of the gospel. Hallelujah. Visitation is for the believing. This morning, would you bow your heads before the Lord? Why sit we here until we die? Anyone here this morning? You say, I need Jesus. Bible says, without Jesus Christ, you're without hope. You're in famine. You're spiritually impoverished. You're without hope and you're without God in this world. Jesus Christ is the Savior. Jesus Christ is the bread of life. Why sit you in your sin until you die and go to hell to a Christless eternity, as the Bible says? Why stay where you are? Why sit where you are? Rise up this morning and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Open up your heart to the living God and come and live in the abundance and the joy and the presence of the Lord as you've seen on many lives here this morning. While your heads are bowed, is there anyone this morning? Say, you lift your hand and say, I need Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I need Jesus. You never accepted the Lord into your life, but you say, I need Jesus. That's the first call this morning. Thank you for your sincerity before the Lord. We're going to open up the altars at the front of the sanctuary here in a moment and want you to come receive the Lord. How many are here this morning that would say, I need, I need more of Jesus?
Yes, that's right. I need more of Jesus because visitation is for the believing. Maybe there's some cynicism. Maybe there's an offense. Maybe there's a hurt or a wound that has gotten into your heart. Listen, don't get trampled underfoot by the people of God that are rushing out for the miracle and to fulfill the call of God. It's an amazing thing. It's a strange phenomena in a church. While some are pressing ahead with such zeal and fire, others are falling back. Trampled by their own unbelief, by their own wounds and offenses. And every one of us know that temptation in our heart. This morning, visitation is for the believing. For the believing. Fight the good fight of faith. Guard your thoughts. Guard your feelings. Say, I'm going to walk with God in abundance. I'm going to partake of that miracle. A measure of fine flour for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel. That's what I want. I want the abundance of God and nothing's going to keep me back. I may feel like a leper. I can't walk right sometimes. I have problems. I shuffle along. I've got some parts of my life that have been sin-bitten but nothing's going to hold me back from the promise of God. Nothing's going to hold me back from the future that I have in God. I'm going to go. I'm going to walk out in the presence of the Lord in his abundance and grace. Let's stand this morning. The altars are open this morning for those who want to accept Jesus Christ as Savior, give your life to him, please. Come down the aisles and come to the front. People will pray for you. Others that need, you say, I need more of Jesus. I'm fighting a spirit of heaviness. I'm fighting a spirit of unbelief. I'm fighting a spirit of offense against people or against the house of God or some circumstance. I'm fighting against God. I've got an accusation in my heart against God because he's delayed his answer so long. Why should I wait any longer for the Lord? Don't let that accusation edged by the spirit by Satan. Take hold of your heart. Come and offer yourself, Lord. Say, Lord, I'll wait the timing. I'll wait your answer. I will surrender right now. If you're struggling in your spirit in any way, slip out from where you are. People are here to pray for you. Come and receive the sanctifying grace of the Holy Spirit. Come and be renewed in the presence of the Lord while we sing. Hallelujah.